Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. She has no idea who will win this series. One of the many ways in which Ruth's professional self departs from her private self. In basketball, not knowing is ideal. Emily Adrian, the second season. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by my husband and fellow March Madness superfan, Jordan Jones. Hi, Jordan. Hi. I really hesitated to describe you as a super fan or me as a super mm. fan because I don't really think that term applies. We're not really super anything. We're not we're not really extreme people. We're moderate <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> so I hesitated to use the term super fan also just because that indicates, I think, a level of fervor and passion that I'm not sure fully applies to me. We're not really frenzied people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, but I do really love March Madness. Right. And you love March right. Madness. So every year, if you are a new From the Front Porch listener or a new fan of the bookshelf, Jordan comes on the podcast every year for us to debate, discuss kind of our own bookish bracket of sorts. And... This is a departure from your day job. Do you want to tell people what you do? Is that? Is that I mean, it sounds like you don't think it's worth telling. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so what I do? I work for uh, a state legislature, and I am uh, the policy chief for the Civil Justice and Property Rights Subcommittee. And so, basically, I help make sure um, I'm giving good ideas about what the law should say and and basically analyzing what bills do and working with representatives, that type of thing. So this is different. <clears throat> this is different. Yes. <laughs> so this is different, but utilizes your same skills and abilities. Absolutely. Um, so this is kind of a tradition for us. Last year, we muddled through, despite not having an NCAA basketball tournament. We did record one of these episodes. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> Yeah, but my stomach just, like, the pit of my... I felt something really bad in the pit of my stomach because I was remembering the day when I was told the tournament was canceled. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. It, I have told people it was the first realization for me, and I realize how privileged and selfish this sounds, but it was my first realization that, oh, this is real. Right. Like, Agreed. Oh, this is this is serious. If they're canceling a multi-million or multi... Yeah, I guess multi-million dollar basketball tournament it probably is serious. Yeah, and turns out it was. Yeah. And so March Madness still <clears throat> looks different even this year, right. but it is happening. The NCAA College Basketball Tournament is happening. Our respective brackets are not great this year. Not too good, <laughs> not as, <laughs> as Jan would say. Yeah, it's not too good. <laughs> so we are struggling through that a little bit. I do think I am potentially in a place where I could beat you this year. Yes, I think you could. You have lost your champion. I have. Uh, as of this recording, Illinois has lost. The Big Ten is garbage this year. <laughs> Somebody explain that to me. I don't need it explained to me. I, I think a lot explained. can be blamed on weird circumstances, yeah. COVID. We've seen several yeah. upsets this year, and that's not unusual. The March Madness is, by its very definition, 
mad and therefore not super predictable. But our, yeah, our basketball brackets, um, yeah, they don't look good. And so, yeah, so, but <clears throat> even so, it's been very fun to watch games and fun to maybe have a little bit of normalcy yeah. in our lives. So Jordan had Illinois as his champion. I have predicted Gonzaga and I think Illinois in my final two. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. but I, I think we both have the same final two. We just picked a different champ. Yeah, but I'm really hoping. I feel like I have trusted Gonzaga many times, yeah. but I just keep thinking that this really is their year. Gonzaga could do it. I, I, I don't understand why either of us winning at Sister Jean of Loyola Chicago. I mean, a 101-year-old woman who prays before the game, please let our opponent get nervous and confused because we hit good shots. And then that exact thing happens to where the other point guard looks like he's got Vaseline on his hands. Have we learned nothing? Always go with the nuts. Yes, come on, Jordan. 2022 Jordan. Remember that. So, okay, here's how this works. We, and by we, I mean Olivia, graciously picked our top 16 best-selling books of, I believe she did maybe the last 12 months. So the bookshelf's top 12 best-selling titles. And then Olivia seeded them. I don't know if she knows that's what what she did was called. Yeah. <laughs> but but she seeded Yeah, but she seeded them. And what is very uh, fun to me is Olivia was uh, respectfully disagreeing a little bit with the March Madness bracket setup. She noticed this year for the first time, I think, that ones are pitted against 16 seeds. And she doesn't think oh, that and that's, that's inequitable. Yes. yes. <laughs> it is. It is inequitable. And Nancy and I were trying to explain, well, you're you're rewarded for being the best. Yes. And and uh, so we debated that. And mm. so what I think reflects here in Olivia's seeding is either genre. Like, I think you'll notice she pit genre against genre. Or she also, well, I actually think that's what she did. Genre against genre. Or I think she pit like book, like I'm looking right now. I think one of them is like seed one versus seed two. Mm. Like based on uh, what I know about the bookshelf's best-selling titles of the year. Yeah. I think that is what she did. I see. So we're going to start. And Jordan, do you want to explain what kind of reader you are? Yeah. So I'm an excellent reader. Um if by excellent reader, you mean I read a particular type of book and um, a limited quantity of books, especially this time of the year. Yes. Which means I haven't read any of these. <laughs> so to be fair, Jordan is in the throes of a legislative session. We are recording this belatedly um, on a Sunday evening at about 9 p.m., uh, which is not really... It might be your sweet spot. It is for sure not mine. But this is how much we believe in this. <laughs> But this is how much. Also, I just kept telling Jordan we have to record yeah, this podcast. So you have not read any of these titles, which I think the listener might be like, "Why, Annie? Are you discussing these books yeah, with why someone? Are you discussing these books? <laughs> with someone normally I've read them. normally I've read up to two or three. Yes, that's true. Out but of sixteen, it's just fun to talk to Jordan about. It is. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to talk to me about anything. <laughs> fun to talk to Jordan and it's now a tradition and so what we're going to do tonight Jordan suggested because I think he was a little um, bashful about the fact that he hadn't read any yeah. of these is we are going I'm going to try my best again it is nine 
almost 9.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, but I'm going to do my best to explain and describe to Jordan these books, and then he is going to decide which one moves to the next round. And we're going to debate these all the way until we reach what should be like the bookshelf's best selling, well, the bookshelf's winning title, I guess. I don't, because it's not, we already know what the best selling book of the year was, but like basically our maybe favorite or the from the front porch podcast favorite and then what we're going to try to do is on instagram have a series of instagram stories where you the listener can vote for your own favorites and we'll kind of do a bracket that way so and i I also thought you know rather than try to be inauthentic and act like i had read them in 2021 we don't appreciate much but we appreciate authenticity this is me falling (laughs) on my sword and saying i have failed and, and, and I'm going to be authentic. I do. Authentic and and humble. And humble. Which I'm, I prefer. I'm not humble. I prefer. <laughs> I prefer. Uh, so I appreciate your honesty, Jordan. Yes. And so You're we're welcome. going to move forward. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> so the first matchup is The Harpy by Megan Hunter versus The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires mm-hmm. by Grady Hendricks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you remember me reading either of these books? I feel like I might remember the second one. Okay. So actually I do have an anecdote about the harpy, which is a book I think you'll remember when I tell you about it. So the harpy is by Megan Hunter. I really like her as an author. She is literary and concise. Like her books pack a punch in a pretty slim volume typically. So the harpy I described to you because sometimes I will get your help in figuring out what to read Uh, next. And late last fall, I needed help picking my next book. And I told you this book is about a woman who finds out her husband has been unfaithful and they agree that they will move forward in their marriage after she exacts. Oh, she punishes him. Yes. I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. After right. she exacts okay. three punishments. Right. And you, I will never forget. Well, I might forget it eventually, but it is still seared into my memory that I described like a series of books to you, several different titles. And you looked at me and you were like, read the harpy next. It sounds light. And it was like <laughs> under what? <laughs> that, that title. It's like, it's like a, like a sprite or a fairy. Well, do you know what a harpy is? So it's Greek myth. And it is a woman who becomes a bird, is my understanding, because Megan Hunter plays on that in this particular book. I see. So in a very slim volume, we get this husband who exacts, I mean, this wife who exacts three punishments Mm. on her husband. They become increasingly troubling Mm -hmm. as the book progresses. It was a book that I really liked. I sent it out as a shelf subscription, Mm -hmm. but it is dark, 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 like dark, darker, darkest. Like it just continues to kind of get progressively more intense and and progressively more intense and odd because Megan Hunter is also playing with the myth of the harpy. And so there's a lot going on in this book, but I stand by loving Megan Hunter's writing style and loving how much she is able to pack in a short number of pages and in a pretty concise way of storytelling. Like even her sentences are rather sparse. I really like her writing style. So that's the harpy. Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires is another book that could be and is in parts dark. But I think what sets it apart from The Harpy is there is a real tongue-in-cheek humor to this book. This is a book that was totally outside of my genre. I picked it up during... I think you're laughing because you know that it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I picked it up early pandemic, like I think March or April, because I remember I just wanted to read a few pages to talk about it 
for a literary lunch. And instead, Mm -hmm. what happened is I was sitting by the pool and next thing you know, I'd like read the whole thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I really fell in love with it. I thought it was really funny. If you like horror or suspense movies, or Riley Sager books. Mm-hmm. I think these this book kind of plays gotcha. on some of maybe the tropes of horror literature or horror films. I also really loved that this book was set in like the 80s, 90s, and the book club at the heart of the novel was reading, they always read true crime books. So then they find out that a neighbor has moved in and he is acting suspicious and they discover he is in fact a vampire. And so their book club has to band together and ha- and rid their neighborhood of this vampire. Is he a 16 year old, handsome kind of pale? He's handsome and pale. He's not 16. He's a grown man. Got it. Uh, I think your understanding of vampires is solely from twilight. Yes. We also have not read. <laughs> You've not read it, but I think your sister was maybe a yeah. fan. I saw a poster one time. <laughs> So, okay, so these two novels, I think Olivia has pitted head to head because of Mm. their similarities in maybe they were outside traditional genre for Uh, me. They are maybe dark at first glance. I think the Harpy remains pretty dark. I think Southern Book Club's guide has a sense of humor to it. And it is definitely gory. It is still a horror book. There are gross vampire. There's like a scene with rats that I'll never forget. Mm. Um, But I think that's why she's maybe pitted these and made them go head to head. So based on my descriptions, which one are you moving forward to the next round? Those are both. Those both sound interesting. I'm going to have to go with the harpy. Okay. um, Partly because I find the conversation about retributive punishment to be an interesting topic. Okay. And it sounds like that you had to deal with those themes as you went through this book. Absolutely. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. Okay, good job. So the harpy moves on. You're going to have to help me remember this. Got it. I feel like this typically. I'm I'm looking at the list right here. Okay, great. Um, Okay. Next next game is The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel versus Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. These are both Annie shelf subscription titles, which, again, I, I think might be where uh, Olivia's seeding <clears throat> comes in. <laughs> I hope that's the word to keep using. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but... The Glass Hotel, Olivia and I have kind of joked, and I don't want to sell it short, but I would just like to say that that was a book that I read in either late 2019 or early 2020, pre-pandemic. In a post-pandemic world, The Glass Hotel is not as striking to me as it was upon first reading. Mm. So when I looked at my personal top top 10 books of 2020, The Glass Hotel did not make the list. But at the time I read it, I really liked it. Why is that? So Emily St. John Menzel is famous for the book Station Eleven, which is yes, one of my favorite yes, books yep. of the last 10 years or whatever. This was her new book. I had high expectations and they were mostly met. It's a quieter book mm-hmm. than Station Eleven. The The title of the book gets its name from this hotel in the rural parts of Canada. And I think the reason that maybe it's not as clear in my memory, it doesn't stand out as much as some of the other pandemic reading I did, is because it is primarily a character-driven book rather than a plot-driven book. And it also, besides being this character-driven novel, also covers a lot of territory. Like, it almost reminds me of, gosh, I'm trying to think, like a movie like Moneyball or Mm. what are those movies that we go see? I'm blanking all of a sudden. I know what you're talking about. The Big Short. Yes. The Rising of the Big Short because there is also almost an Enron-esque scandal in this book. You learn stuff. Yes. Well, and 
and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? When you're reading the book, right. you're like, what does this have to do with anything? But it's building upon this character development. So that is The Glass Hotel. So, so now I know for sure this is not the sequel to The Glass House. No, right. it is not. It is not. It, it is, is not, not just the next chapter, <laughs> next one. Okay. All right. no, although that's a good, right. we should add right. that to our Halloween yeah. repertoire. You're welcome. Um, okay. So very different is the book Such a Fun Age. This was also an early shelf subscription pick of 2020. I read it though much earlier. I read it summer 2019. I have seen this floating around our house for a long yes. time and I don't know why. Uh, well, I, the tote, I'm pointing to a tote bag. I have a Such a Fun Age tote oh, bag. that's what it is. That's um, what it but is. I, tote bag. Yeah, but I've had this book for a long time. Yeah. I read okay. it in 2019 and immediately I must admit that I loved it because I like books that are literary but accessible. And I thought that Kylie Reed did a really beautiful job of telling this really compelling story that I think book clubs can really enjoy and devour, but also kind of tying in deeper issues of race and class. So the book opens with a black babysitter taking care of her young ward. And like she's called at the last minute to take care of uh, her, her little girl that she cares for. And they go, the family's kind of having a crisis. And so she takes the little girl to like a grocery store and, or like a, you know, a late night mart kind of thing. And then while they're there, someone accuses her of kidnapping the child. This is like the first chapter. So you're just immediately kind of, if you are looking for a book that like snags you from page one, this one does because you're in this really intense moment of the cops are being called. The people who work at the store are concerned for the child's safety, but this is her babysitter and has been her babysitter for a long time. And so then what unfolds is this kind of tension between the babysitter and then the family for which she babysits. And and they're just, there's the story certainly goes from there, but that's like the first chapter. And okay. it's very striking to me. It's a very um, compelling first few pages. Mm -hmm. So those are your two books, glass hotel, really beautifully done, but certainly a more character driven novel and slower paced. And then, so I'm thinking like maybe a reliable team mm -hmm. and then such a fun age is kind of maybe this young basketball team that kind of, mm -hmm. kind of comes into the tournament and takes the tournament. Maybe by Adeline Christian. Yeah. takes the tournament by storm. I'm going to go with such a fun age because, um, issues of class interest me. And, you know, we tend to historically humans, we tend to destroy each other and kill each other over class. And so if we can instead read a book about class and have a good conversation about it. I'm all for that. Yeah. And I think it is a book that I've recommended for book clubs because again, the story itself is really interesting. Like there's just a lot going on. It's it to me in contrast to glass hotel is plot driven. Like there's a, to gotcha. me, there's a lot happening. Gotcha. You're not going to be bored while reading such a fun age, yeah. but there are underlying issues of race and class that you could really have wonderful conversations with your book club about. Gotcha. So, so Abilene Chris, I mean, such fun. Age. Yeah, that's right. Such a fun age moves forward. Okay. Next game, all adults here versus writers and lovers. Um, all adults here is a book by Emma Straub writers and lovers is by Lily King. Uh, both of these books are, gosh, were these both shelf subscriptions too? Mm, maybe they were all adults here falls under the category of dysfunctional family literature mm. to me, which, you know, I really like, favorites. yeah, you know, I really like it is about adult children. <laughs> it kind of living in this small town and coming to terms with their adulthood, although much later 
then you might want adults to come to terms with their adulthood. <laughs> so like a story about our life? Yeah. <laughs> like a story. It's probably a story about like late millennials or, mm. or, or like old millennials and Gen X gotcha, basically. Gotcha. And there, I love the small town setting of this. Yeah. I also will read, I think I have read anything Emma Straub writes. I really okay. like her. Right. Again, literary, but super accessible. Gotcha. And, and, can be i read i think our friends at thank you books posted an instagram post the other day that was like hey any book can be a beach book if you take it to the beach and and i absolutely agree with that but i also think emma straub's books actually really are what i would call like uh really they're beach reads but like what is the word? Elevated beach reads. That's Ooh, what her books elevated are. Beach elevated okay. beach reads. Okay. And then next is Writers and Lovers, which I loved. It is about a young woman who is an aspiring writer, but her mother has died. And so ever since then, she's been undergoing severe writer's block and obviously enduring a lot of mm. grief. She can't focus. She can't write. And in the book, she winds up kind of dating and, fa- and not even falling in love with, but dating these two men. Um, but to me, they are so the plot really is about this young woman trying to figure out mm-hmm. who she is and grappling with her passion and what to do with it now that it feels like it's gone with the death of her mother. And it was it was just beautifully. Oh, so beautifully written. If you heard me talk about the book Normal People, I think this would be a good book right. for fans of normal people. Right. Yeah, this one's hard. I think this one's going to go into overtime. I think, oh, yes, absolutely. I think this is going to go into overtime. Which of these do you think would have the overtime edge? Which which do you think would be happier to get into overtime, to push the other one into overtime? Hmm, I think all adults here, to me, is the spunkier pick. Yeah. I think writers and lovers would be the more slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with all adults here because I think all adults here pushes overtime and and it kind of writers and lovers doesn't like that because it shouldn't be pushing that and then okay and then all adults here wins in overtime. Okay, so all adults here moves on. Okay, next up, this will be interesting because I think these books are re- these two books are really different from each other. The first is the death of Vivek Ojai, and the next is Florence Adler swims forever. So. The Death of Vivek Ojai is one of those books that I finished. I have distinct memories of finishing it in the pool and feeling like I had been punched in the gut. Oh, I am so glad that you did not sink and <laughs> into, drown. into the pool yes, yes. upon feeling like I'd been punched yes. in the gut. Okay, so the author of Vivek Ojai is Akweke Emezi, and they really delivered such a powerful story from page one. So we talked about such a fun age kind of grabbing you instantly. The story of Vivek Ojai does the same thing because the beginning of the novel is a mother opening her door and finding her dead son on her doorstep. Mm. And the book then reflects back to what has led up to this moment and what has led to this act of violence. I thought this book, really because of that intro, because of that introduction, you really almost have to read this book in one setting. It's all in one sitting It because it is so deeply troubling. Mm -hmm. Like you want to know what happens. Yes. 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 You want to know what happened, Mm -hmm. what happened to this family. 
It's set in Nigeria, beautifully written. And Akweke Emezi just consistently puts out beautiful literature. They've got a memoir coming out later this year. So that's the first book. The next one is Florence Adler Swims Forever. This is in my... this one in the pool? I did. Oh, okay. You just did a lot of pool. Reading. I read a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all yeah. I did during the pandemic. Yeah, right, I would right, come right. home from okay. work at 4 or at 4.30 and right. then read. That's right. So... Florence Adler Swims Forever is historical fiction, which I'm not normally drawn to, but I really like this one. It was about a, a Jewish family set in the coast, off the coast of New Jersey, I believe, and they kind of band together to keep this secret. So this is no spoilers. Truly, this happens within the first chapter, but Florence Adler dies in the first few pages. But her sister is pregnant and is like in the process of giving birth. And so the family keeps her death a secret from her sister. And it is, if I am not mistaken, and I'm really kind of having to think back here, but I believe it is based on a family story of the author. It is really well done. Great. We talk a little bit on the podcast about PG literature. It's great PG literature. And a little bit different maybe from traditional like World War II historical fiction. But I cannot stress enough how different these two books are. Yeah. They're just very different, even in tone. Do they get paired because somebody died? Early? I wonder if, like, yeah, early. you immediately kind of find that mm. out from page one. And they just, the tone of the books to me is very different. There was a lot that you said about both of those that is um, intriguing. But the fact that you said that, well, first of all, this, the fact that you knew how the death of Vivek Oji, did I pronounce that correctly? You did not. I don't, well, you know what? I should have looked it up. Uh, but I think it's Vivek Ojai. Oh, that sounds right. I think I looked it up pre- upon right. previous recording. Yeah, it's yeah. a Nigerian story. It's Nigerian, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's right, Ojai. So um, the fact that you remembered you know, the feeling that it gave you. Oh, yeah. Um, and the fact that you felt like you had to read it in one sitting um, is an interesting thing for you. I, I, I could, I can name a few books that I know you did that with. Mm-hmm. Um, the last Harry Potter book. <laughs> um, the um, Ghost Set of Watchmen. Yeah. And maybe a couple others, but but that that's a big deal. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go with that one. Okay. So the de- the death of Vivek Ojai moves forward. Then we've got two really interesting nonfiction picks. So we've got the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, and this is being pitted against wintering. So the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, you've probably seen on our coffee table if you were paying attention uh, earlier last year, but it is... You're talking to me, not the public at large. Yes, they've not been in our homes. Yeah, very few people have. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's been here. So it is this really beautiful little coffee table gift book that kind of took the world by storm, I think partly because of when it was released. It has beautiful pen uh, kind of ink illustrations, and it's is almost like a parable or like it reminds me most of the story of the Velveteen Rabbit where you know that Mm. there's something deeper happening here. And it's really a story of resilience. Mm. It's really beautifully told, but again, almost like a fable. Yeah. And is definitely accessible to children, but is certainly geared toward and has been devoured by adults. It is like, I don't think we're the only people with it on our coffee table. And then Wintering is a really interesting book. Do you remember a few years ago, I read a book, I think it was called The Year of Living Danishly. Yes. Okay, that's kind of what this book reminds me of, where this woman, Catherine May, decides to, 
she herself is kind of experiencing what she calls a winter of her soul, a winter of her life. And she is arguing that every soul goes through different seasons. Mm -hmm. And our natural impulse is to try to just get to like get rid of it, like to move on to spring. Right. And she's arguing that we should really not just endure winter, but maybe relish in it and discover what about it can help us in our next seasons. So I found, I really loved this book. Uh, I thought it was profound and also just deeply interesting because she talked about how different parts of the world undergo winter and experience winter, but then tied it into the winters and the seasons of our souls. Yeah. There you go. I think, well, it's a rare day that I'm going to go against a book that you've compared to the Velveteen Rabbit because that's, I don't know much more that would make me emotional than that. Um, maybe Les Mis, <laughs> um, the movie, uh, the way that Russell Crowe sings it. Um, but um, I'm going to have to go with wintering because the, the idea of grief is very interesting to me. Um, I don't understand uh, Enneagram 4s any farther than I can throw you guys. <laughs> But I do appreciate the fact that you bring to the table some, you know, the, the idea that that grief, there is some wisdom in grief. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the proverb or whatever that's uh, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, mm-hmm. but the, the heart of the fo- um, fools are in the house of laughter. You know, like there, there's something to be learned from the winter and there's something beautiful about it. I had not thought of wintering as an Enneagram 4 book, but I totally think it is. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. So there you go. Okay, so I wintering... Just, I just hand-sold. <laughs> Probably half the listeners on here are fours. You think? The other half are fives. I don't know. I bet we have a lot of ones. That's probably true. Nines. Um, yeah, and a lot of nines. Okay, so wintering moves on. <clears throat> and we're going to... Now we're kind of entering maybe the... Yeah, we're going to kind of move forward. I don't want to give these books the short end of the stick, but we're going to move a little quickly. Okay. So next up are two nonfiction, I guess, depending on where you put poetry as a genre, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle. This book was literally everywhere. It felt like for, for a few months and what kind of woman by Kate bear. I read these books and loved both of them. Untamed is by author Clint Glennon Doyle. She is not only an author, but also an, uh, an influencer, maybe for lack of a better term, there was really an interesting article written, oh, a couple weeks ago, a few months ago, mm, hard to say, earlier this year about people on Instagram who are almost replacing pastoral care mm, yep. and pastoring. And Glennon Doyle was named in, in the article. And that is certainly the role she kind of plays online is one of kind of pastor. She kind of shepherds people through uh, different issues in their lives. And Untamed is, if you are familiar with Glennon Doyle's writing style or her memoirs that she has previously written, this to me falls in the same trajectory where it's like part self-help, part personal growth, part memoir. But I really do like Glennon's style of writing. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it is to me sort of poetic, which leads us perfectly to What Kind of Woman by Kate Bear. Kate is somebody who I had followed on the internet for years, much like Glennon Doyle, actually. And Kate writes beautiful poetry. You will be familiar with her because you, Jordan, um, because I think I've shown you some of her poetry that she does based on people's mean DMs and comments. Oh, yeah. And she blacks out, you know, certain words and then a, a really gorgeous poem emerges. I struggle with poetry sometimes as a yeah. reader. 
It is not a genre I gravitate toward naturally, but what kind of woman, speaking of books that we kind of devour in one setting, what kind of woman is a book that I intended to read like one poem at a time. And instead I, again, sat by our pool Mm. and read the whole thing and you should see my copy and you maybe have, but it's just ripped up. It's ripped to shreds from all the yes. lines that I love. Is the common denominator here, these books or is it our pool? <laughs> like, is, has there ever been a book that you open in our pool that you didn't like? Yeah, maybe I just need to be reading. Yeah. I do love to read outside. And and during our pool if you're struggling with reading. Like, yeah, if you're in a reading slump, that might be the mm-hmm. answer. I think you are right. That's what I did a lot in 2020, okay. to yeah. be fair. Okay, so what's the verdict here? I'm going to go with what kind of woman. That, so was, that was interesting what you showed me about the poetry. And yeah. Everything. Especially with the toxicity of that kind of stuff today. Yeah. The fact that someone could redeem that yes. re- reappropriate that um turn it into rediscover beauty. it yeah. yeah yeah that's that's an art that's she, true art she's amazingly talented okay next up two books that i do think you will have heard of and been familiar with based on internet friends <laughs> my internet friends i don't know uh all things considered by or all i'm sorry all things reconsidered by knox mccoy this was if i'm not mistaken like our best-selling non-fiction book of 2020 versus The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. So I think Olivia pitted these against each other. I think her note even said, tell Kendra and and Knox I'm sorry, because Kendra and Knox are friends on the internet and their two books happen to be two of our best-selling nonfiction titles. They're wonderful about promoting the bookshelf and about partnering with us. All Things Reconsidered is Knox McCoy's second book. It is nonfiction, really asking people to practice the art of reconsideration, Mm. really talking about how it is okay and even perhaps important to change our minds. And so Mm. the way he talks about that is both silly and serious and sacred. So, and that's really what I love about him. It's what I like about the podcast. It's what I like about the Bible binge. Like, they are not afraid to be both silly and sacred. And so when he's talking about reconsidering things, it kind of runs the gamut. But I found myself reading this book, kind of maybe binging it in one weekend, but then reflecting on it further mm. and like sitting in our floor and making notes and whatever. So I really like Knox's style of writing. He's an Enneagram 5, so I often find myself reflected in the pages of his books. And then The Lazy Genius Way is just an extremely practical book. I talked to Kendra on an episode of From the Front Porch last year, I guess when her book was really about to release. And it is the kind of book my mom would have loved. And now because I am my mother's daughter, I also love it. (laughs) So Kendra is encouraging you to be, um, let me see, I always kind of stumble over her actual like elevator pitch, but she wants you to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Oh yeah. And, and I think she approaches that really wonderfully from speaking of the Enneagram an Enneagram one perspective. And I think acknowledging that there have been times when she has tried too hard to be a genius about Mm -hmm. things that don't matter. Right. And she's learned from that. And so she's passing along those tips. I practice, you might not know this, but I, you, Jordan, the, the Royal you versus you who I'm talking to, Uh, You might not notice, but in our lives, I practice a lot of lazy genius principles because they have just kind of infiltrated my brain. And so Kendra has really given people a practical tool for how to rework maybe the systems in their lives. So those two nonfiction titles, what you going with? I'm going to have to go with lazy genius way. Okay. We we all are are, uh, passionate and we're going to spend our life somehow. We're going to do things excellently and things poorly and 
I think the key to a good life is making sure it's the right things. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think that is a really interesting concept. Yeah, you and Kendra would agree. Yeah. All right. So last up, and this is pretend like you get the championship game early. So like okay. maybe Gonzaga. And so, Olivia, this is why you don't. Yeah. All right. Everybody knows. Olivia doesn't know yet, but take her aside if you see her on the street and explain to her why you don't pair number one and number two. Yeah. This yeah. is a like a number one and a number two seed paired against each other. Only one of them can move forward. Both punished for being excellent. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. So, the first one is The Vanishing Half okay. by Britt Bennett, who is one of my favorite modern writers. Proved, proved herself to be one of my favorites with the release of the second book. And then Transcendent Kingdom, also one of my favorite modern writers, also with the release of this second work. This is by Yad Jesse. So you might be familiar with me reading these earlier this year. I read one by our pool and I read one on a trip we took to Savannah briefly. So Vanishing Half is about twin sisters who grow up in this kind of rural, small Louisiana town that is populated entirely by black people they are two black i remember you telling me about yeah they're two black women but one of them is lighter skin and can pass as a white woman and so the book kind of i mean if you really think about the title it's fascinating okay so anyway the book follows both of those sisters the darker skinned sister and the lighter skinned sister and the different paths and different trajectories their life takes when they choose to separate Got it. Or really when one of them chooses to leave the other. So that is The Vanishing Half. And a lot goes on in that book. But again, accessible literary fiction. Yeah. Britt Bennett is a stellar, stunning writer. But it is also, to me, very accessible Mm. for book clubs. And the reason I often mention book clubs is book clubs are reading on a time limit, right? Right. You're trying to read something in a month, essentially. And so you want something that you can read quickly. It's a diverse group with diverse uh, perspectives and abilities. Yes. That's exactly right. And tastes. Different reading tastes. So anyway, I find The Vanishing have to fall into that category. Okay. Okay. Transcendent Kingdom is actually a book I think you would love. So this is a book that um, follows a young woman named Gifty. And Gifty is a protagonist who will, I think, stick with me a long time, much like the character Maeve in the book The Dutch House. So Gifty is a young woman who grew up in Alabama, but she was an immigrant. And her parents moved to Huntsville, Alabama. Actually, so did Yad Jesse. So there's some, I think, some autobiographical elements there. Gifty moves to the West Coast. She is practicing to be a neurosurgeon. She's deeply devoted to science, but she was also raised deeply enmeshed in faith, in the Christian faith. And so in adulthood, she has really almost let that go in order to pursue science. And as you continue reading the book, you realize the reason Gifty is pursuing science is because she has lost her beloved brother Mm. to drug addiction. And so she has spent, she is spending her adult years now trying to investigate why our brains are wired a certain Mm -hmm. way and what addiction looks like in the brain. I think, and I talked about this previously on the podcast, Transcendent Kingdom is Yaa Jesse's second work. Her first was this really amazing kind of sweeping story that, that crossed generations and continents and like delved into history and the results of history. And what I think was like big picture in, in her first book, Homegoing, now she like 
like zeroes in on almost a microscopic level into just Gifty and her relationship with her mom and her relationship with her brother. And then because I like books that are about faith and doubt and science, I really just fell in love with her story. Mm -hmm. So that is Transcendent Kingdom. I could talk about both of those books all day long. They were my top, they were my top two books of the year in 2020. A couple of one seeds uh, (laughs) paired up in the first round, but it's COVID year. So that stuff. That's right. Could really happen. Um, I'm going to go with Vanishing Half because you went on and on about it. And I I found it to be an interesting concept. Okay. All right. So now we're going to quickly go through who are, who is the first game of the second round? Yep. So the next round will be the Harpy versus Such a Fun Age. Okay. To me, this is literary fiction versus i mean if we're just really boiling it down and really kind of generalizing yes. this is literary dark literary fiction versus conversational book club fiction yeah dark okay you're yeah, going, going you're dark. going dark dark horse okay the harpy i think that would be the yeah. dark horse in that in that yeah. conversation so okay almost yeah. the underdog in my mind yeah. dark horse okay so the and harpy oral roberts number 15 has just made the sweet 16 Oh, did they really just now? They have gone two rounds. I don't think a 15 seed has ever done that. Oh, my gosh. So, the Harpy is... Real time. You'll be listening. They'll be listening to this on Thursday, but that just happened. Somebody asked me, is it possible that Oral Roberts could play Colgate? Like toothpaste game, but it know, wasn't. I picked the Colgate. wrong. I picked Colgate. Colgate, and I should have picked Oral you Roberts. How, how dare genius. our goddaughter picked Oral Roberts two rounds? Did she? Shout out to our goddaughter, uh, Shirley. Yeah. yeah, well done. <laughs> well done, Shirley. Okay, so we picked the harpy. Who is in the next game? All adults here versus the death of Vivek. Vivek Ojai. Vivek Ojai. Well, I think. I mean, what is your gut? I don't know, honestly. I think Vivek Ojai. I liked all adults here a lot, but I think, I think when it boils down to it, I... I, They're a one-round team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because remember, they only won in overtime. Yeah, that's right. Vivek Ojai should go to the um, uh, Final Four. Okay. This will be, yeah, Final Four. So we have the Harpy and the the death of Vivek Ojai. You're really struggling with that. I am. I am. Yes, I am struggling with that, and I don't know why. (laughs) I know why. It's because it's 10 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, who do we got? Next, for a final four spot, we have Wintering versus what kind of woman? I know who I would want to move on. Who? What kind of woman? All right, done. (laughs) I think those are actually really, that would be, help me come up with the equivalent. To me, that would be like a really even matchup. Like, yeah. I think I would love actually to hear, <laughs> love actually, I would actually love to hear Catherine May, the author of Wintering, in conversation with Kate Bear. Oh, like, yeah. I think their books actually tie in really well together. See which woman emerges. <laughs> so, so I think um, it'd be like when two teams, like, um, like when Abilene Christian had to play Texas yes. or like two interstate rivals oh, yeah, 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 have yeah, to yeah. unexpectedly, yeah, like have yeah. to unexpectedly play. Or like two coaches, like, yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, well, like if FSU had to play Florida yeah. or something like that, like yeah. unexpectedly in the tournament. If Texas with Shaka Smart had to play VCU. His old yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Next up, Lazy Genius Way versus Vanishing Half. Mm, sorry, Kendra. It has to be Vanishing Half. It does. I think, I'm so I mean, sorry yeah. for Kendra, but that just, to me... Yeah, I heard you talk about that book a lot. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting thing. So in the final four, we have the Harpy versus the death of Vivek 
Ojai. Ojai. And we have What Kind of Woman versus Vanishing Half. Oh no, What Kind of Woman versus Vanishing Half. Right. This is this is oh, that, no. you know, Gonzaga oh, um, no. Ohio State matchup, except Ohio State went out to Oral Roberts. So Okay, wait, let's discuss the first Blue pairing Bloods. first. Blue Bloods. It's like Kentucky versus Duke earlier than you would want. Okay, it. except not because nobody likes Duke. Okay, well, no, I tolerate Duke. That's okay. That's my point. You don't like them just because sure. they're good doesn't mean people like them. UConn versus North Carolina, maybe. Okay, but let's discuss the first, yes. the first pair. What is it? The Harpy mm-hmm. versus the Death of Vivek Ojai. I truly, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. You barely did it. Um, I am a little surprised the Harpy has made it this far. Okay. And I say that as somebody who liked the Harpy a lot. But I feel like the death of Vivek Ojai moves on. It's kind of like Loyola making it to the Final Four and then losing. Like, yeah. great run. Yes, they had a great Final run. Final Four. Good job, the Harpy. Like, Good everybody job. would give them a standing yeah. O. Like, yeah. they, they, yeah. they really... One, shi- uh, one shining moment, they would get a the, Yeah, they'd of get featured. A vignette. Okay. And then we've got... What kind of woman versus fantasy half? I can't decide that... This is hard. Those are two excellent books. Yeah. Vanishing Half. Okay, you decided. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the cha- actually, I think Jordan we did a really good job because that means the championship game is between The Death of Aveco Jai versus The Vanishing Half. Mm-hmm. Those are both really great books. They garnered attention both from critics and from lay readers. Mm-hmm which I think is really unusual and hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so these, to me, are certainly perhaps the most deserving titles to okay. make it this far. Like I we think, got a couple of one seeds in the, in the final. Yeah, game. I think they've really proven yeah. themselves time and time again. I think they both deserve to be here. Yeah. The question is, who comes out on top? Yeah, is this going to go into overtime? Yeah, I think it you would. Think, well, so mm-hmm. so they're, they're evenly matched. Yes, these are very um, evenly matched. I, I think um, Vanishing Half wins only because um, the the star of the other team fouls out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think, and and that goes along with the early death. So somebody oh. went out early. So I'm just taking That's this. Not crass at all. Okay, so I actually would agree with you. To me. I love both of those books, but there is really something special about The Vanishing Half. I also, not that this would play a part, except maybe it would, but I think The Vanishing Half has already, film rights have already sold. So I think this is about to become a part of the lexicon. Like, I think once it becomes an HBO show, like, people are going to know all about it. Oh, it's going to be HBO? I think so. Yeah, your interest is peaked, isn't it? Yes. And I think that's true. I hope I'm not spreading false information, but I feel like I read that somewhere. So I think... It's going to be the book that people remember for a long time. Okay. So I think it's deserving. And I've definitely heard you. I mean, we talked about this book. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was so good. Okay, we did it. Excellent. Hey, thank you, Jordan. You're welcome. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations.
This week, I've been reading The Turnout by Megan Abbott. Jordan, what have you been reading? I have been reading um, chapter 61 of the Florida Statutes, which has to do with time sharing and child support. <laughs> I wondered what you were you didn't think I You didn't <laughs> think I had an answer. <laughs> That's what I... Okay. Also, Chapter 70, which is the Burt Harris Act. Okay. okay, great. Good job. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear <laughs> you and my mom made me laugh at this last section. She did this last week. How did I do that? How did I make you laugh? Because you told you named the Florida <laughs> statue. Is this still going to be on here? Don't cut this. <laughs> I bet. It's, up, it's up to Ashley. Okay. Don't cut it, Ashley. <laughs> If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.